My name is Padraigo Tuma, and when I was 19, I was the cook on a camp for young people from all across Ireland. There was 200 young people, and one night what we cooked clearly wasn't to their liking. Most of them just dumped their food into a bin. Myself and another guy, a total stranger to me, were assigned to take everything from the bin and to move it away. And it was disgusting, and it took us a couple of hours to empty these bins filled with slops of food. When me and that fellow became friends, and we're still friends, I played the guitar at his wedding, and our friendship has lasted for so long. I keep on looking back to the humble beginnings of what has been a lovely lifelong friendship. Eva, Whose Shadow is a Swan by Dunya Mikhail The day we met in Babylon for me to interpret her, Eva found a pocket stone she'd later add to her collection of stones from different cities she kept in a glass bowl. We strolled roadsides piled with rocks blasted from bridges and buildings now bent and cratered. Yet I like to think that stone might have predated the fall of Babylon when people spoke one language. I liked Eva's musical tone. She said, I am from Stockholm, home to no war for 200 years. I am from Baghdad, I replied, a city we call the home of peace, though war has lived in it for 200 years. We exchanged postcards for 30 years before my east and her west met in London our friendship needing no umbrellas in the rain. I waited for her impatiently, but hid on a whim behind a pillar, admiring her poise as she approached and scanned the passers-by, like Noah in search of the ark. A woman, nearly ninety, so beautiful, her shadow a swan, A goddess who found her lost universe in the last minute. She hiked an island mountain on the way to our meeting and bought a CD of fairy music for me. When I followed up with a farewell call, I learned she'd lost her hearing. Right, so I can hear you. She must have read my lips. The concert we attended in the rain must have steamed like lightning without thunder. When I receive her postcard, I can't read her handwriting, but plan to search the dictionary of Babylon for her words and decipher the line drawn by time. So this gorgeous poem is about a friendship, an unexpected friendship that built on a chance encounter between two people at work, somebody visiting from Sweden, somebody local who's the interpreter. And it's a workplace that has dynamics in it, you know, someone who can leave, someone who's local, someone who can interpret and someone who needs to be interpreted. And 
into this comes that most transformative and unexpected thing, a friendship and a friendship that lasts decades. And it seems too to me a friendship that began really quickly, really easily. I keep on wondering every time I read this poem, what was it that prompted this friendship? Was it that Eva saw stone or was it that they were strolling? That's a lovely word to use in the second stanza. We strolled roadsides piled with blocks blasted from bridges and buildings. You know, there's so much explosion, literally in the bees, blasted bridges, buildings, bent. But strolled is a really unexpected verb to use there. Was it the capacity that the two of them found themselves in an easy walk with each other that meant a friendship started? Or the musical tone of Eva's language? Or what she said? Or some kind of intuitive connection that bonded them together into a friendship that lasted so long? Such intimacy, such care and love really between these two, all begun on this day in Babylon, as she says it. This poem moving back and forth between referring to Babylon and Baghdad builds on narratives that you find in Hebrew Bible and in Quran and also in Rastafarianism and also in pop culture like the Matrix in terms of referring to these great places. The fall of Babylon is referred to early on in the poem. The place where that great tower that had been that was supposed to have reached up to heaven. And the story says that God scattered the people and confused their language. Balal is the word in Hebrew for confusing the language. And then there's a reference later on to Noah in search of an ark when Eva is in London looking around for Dunya as she's hiding behind a pillar. Mythology and religious narrative and religious location, especially in terms of Baghdad, Babylon, underlines this entire poem so beautifully. And there's this reference to the beginning of the friendship between the poet and Eva. And then after a couple of stanzas, we suddenly are into these words. We exchanged postcards for 30 years before my east and her west. 30 years. It's kind of extraordinary, that casual line. There's um, evidence of such long affection and evidence of such writing between these two people. And then time is picked up again a few stanzas later. A woman nearly 90. I love that it's postcards that these two women exchange. You know, a postcard is something so simple. Somehow it's a physical token of somebody saying, I was thinking about you and I've taken time and ink and a stamp and a postcard and sent this to you. It's a small holder for something much bigger than the message it contains. So much of this poem is about communication across barriers, whether that's barriers of distance, barriers of languages that aren't mutually comprehended. The word that Dunya Mikhail uses at the beginning is the day we met in Babylon for me to interpret her. 
interpret, not translate, because it's a way of saying I'm not just taking one thing and putting it exactly into another language. It's understanding the heart meaning of what's being said in one language and rendering that in the heart language in another. An interpret here is a deep form of listening, something really powerful. There's a small other shift toward the end of the poem where the poet realises that Eva's lost her hearing and begins reflecting herself on what was being communicated. How do we communicate to each other? And she says she must have been lip reading. The interpretation that she's been providing at the beginning of the poem has been modulated now so that Dunya Mikhail, she's having to be interpreted through the physicality of being in the same place. And each time that this happens in the poem, we're being called into the question of how do we interpret ourselves to each other and our closest friends back to us? Even in body language, later on in the poem, she says, I waited for her impatiently, but hid on a whim behind a pillar. What's the interpretation of that? Maybe the awkwardness of suddenly the immediacy happening between two people who have been corresponding by postcard for 30 years, but suddenly time is going to be collapsed and what's said by one will be heard by the other. They think, although later on we find out that even there, there's still a space and a distance between the two. In a way, these two women represent what Dunya McHale, I think, is proposing for what's possible for a population. And she knows it well. She's not saying that easily, like, oh, yeah, friendship is the balm to everything. Interpretation and communication and having to figure out space between language, space between two people, space where either your handwriting or the sound of your speech can't be heard or received. Those things are happening over and over throughout this poem. But in the midst of that, there's something so gorgeous about the exchange here and that the love is shared and the friendship transforms each of them and sustains each of them. In many ways, all of the barriers are being seen to be penetrable because love is always able to make its way through these things. Eva, Whose Shadow is a Swan by Dunya McHale The day we met in Babylon for me to interpret her, Eva found a pocket stone she'd later add to her collection of stones from different cities she kept in a glass bowl. We strolled roadsides piled with rocks blasted from bridges and buildings now bent and cratered. Yet, I like to think that stone might have predated the fall of Babylon when people spoke one language. I liked Eva's musical tone. She said, I am from Stockholm, home to no war for 200 years. I am from Baghdad, I replied, a city we call the home of peace, though war has lived in it for 200 years. We exchanged postcards for 30 years before my East and her West met in London, our friendship needing no umbrellas in the rain. 
I waited for her impatiently, but hid on a whim behind a pillar, admiring her poise as she approached and scanned the passers-by, like Noah in search of the ark. A woman, nearly ninety, so beautiful, her shadow a swan, a goddess who found her lost universe in the last minute. She hiked an island mountain on the way to our meeting and bought a CD of fairy music for me. When I followed up with a farewell call, I learned she'd lost her hearing. Right, so I can hear you. She must have read my lips. The concert we attended in the rain must have seemed like lightning without thunder. When I receive her postcard, I can't read her handwriting, but plan to search the dictionary of Babylon for her words and decipher the line drawn by time. Shadow is a Swan comes from Dunya McHale's book, In Her Feminine Sign. Thank you to New Directions Publishing, who gave us permission to use Dunya's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org. Poetry Unbound is Gautam Shrikishan, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Vo, Lucas Johnson, Amy Chatelaine, Kayla Edwards, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gautam Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. Open your world to poetry with us by subscribing to our Substack newsletter at poetryunbound.org. You may also enjoy our other podcast, On Being with Krista Tippett, or our newsletter, The Pause. Visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. Friends, thanks very much for listening to Poetry Unbound. Whether you're new or whether you've listened to them all, your attention makes everything worthwhile. And I've got some news. I've written a book, Poetry Unbound, 50 Poems to Open Your World. There's 50 poems, each with a fresh essay written by me. I'd love it if you'd pre-order it or pre-order a few and join up to our free interactive newsletter. Links to everything at poetryunbound.org. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.